Welcome to the sag After Foundation's Conversations podcast. The sag After Foundation believes that contributions made to our culture by performing arts are not only valuable, but also essential. And so we provide free programming and services like this podcast to support them. If you'd like to learn more about the sag After Foundation or access the full library of our conversations or make a donation to support this podcast, please visit sagaftra.foundation. That's www.sagaftra.foundation. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SagAfterFound. Thanks, and enjoy the conversation. Hey! Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for coming in out of the rain. Um, my name is Janelle Riley, and I'm so, so thrilled to be here today for this SAG After Foundation conversation with Michael B. Jordan. Um, this is an actor, producer, all around superhero and superhero nemesis. Um, and since breaking into the business with The Wire in 2002, this is an actor who has consistently delivered complex, charismatic performances on film and TV, uh, probably most recently in films like Fruitvale Station, Creed, Fahrenheit 451, and of course, Black Panther. Um, along the way, he has picked up a Gotham Award and been nominated for an Emmy Award, an Independent Spirit Award. Please welcome Michael B. Jordan. Hey, how are you guys doing? I was just thinking that we've entered a period of time where now the other guy is the other Michael Jordan. Is that what your, it is? Yes. <laughs> it's I'll, now your Michael B. Jordan, and I'll there's another that. guy out there with a similar name. I'll <laughs> take that. I'll take that. That's been my goal for a long time, actually. Finally. Since I was a kid, getting bullied on the basketball court. You're kidding. Oh, I hope you could play basketball. Yeah, I had, it made me compete at everything I did, honestly, yeah. to be to be good at something, because I, I would always get the Michael Jordan jokes, for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you ever think about changing your name? Because especially when you register for SAG, there's probably 20 Michael Jordans. Yeah, no, I did at one point. Um, yeah, I was going to be Michael Bakari. I was going to change it to Michael Bakari. Bakari is my middle name. Oh so, wow! Yeah, that's that's for like two seconds yeah. of, of weakness. I had that. I had that thought, and then and then I just I just kept it and owned it. Yeah. Owned it. Yeah. Yeah, you owned it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is an audience of SAG actors, so awesome, I actually awesome. always like to start by asking, how did you get your SAG card? Uh, <laughs> how did I get my SAG card? That's a great question, because I mean, you, can you buy them? You can buy it now, can you? Well, can you? I, I don't know about that. <laughs> can you buy it now? Am I, am what, I like involved? downtown? Yeah. No. Well, you can be Taft Hartley's. Yeah. You sure it wasn't a you sure it wasn't a time where you could buy a sad card? I mean, I don't know what you mean by buy. Huh? Yeah. You have to qualify? Yeah. And then you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like buy yours from some guy downtown, no, no, like no, no, selling no. DVDs? <laughs> no, so then, it, it, oh man, it might have been on, um, honestly, I'm not sure, I don't remember. That's actually a yeah. good question. It was, yeah, but yeah, it was but I before, think that'd be after. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. like when I was 16. I did so, I did all my children before, after I did The Wire. So, like, so probably The Wire, it, maybe. Hardball. Hardball was like when I was oh, like Oh, hardball, 13. yep. But I was doing a lot of print work before that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I did a lot of print work. I don't know if you can, can you get a sack from print? Yeah. No, you can't. Cool, so, so yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say hard, okay. I'm gonna say I think it would be hardball. hardball. All right. I'm gonna say maybe hardball. All right, cool. Yeah, Cause yeah. you did start at an early age and I'm actually really curious. Did you know yeah. it was gonna be a career or were you just having fun? No, I started when I was like 10 or 11. My mom was, uh, she was at a doctor's appointment and I was in the waiting room and the receptionist randomly was like, you should get your son into modeling. 
did, I was an awkward looking kid, so modeling wasn't the first thing on my like my career path uh, choices. But I ended, up, I ended up crashing an audition. She had two sons that was in the business. I cr ended up crashing like a, a I think it was like Frito Lay or like Doritos. It was some type wow. of like print or print like a the little like a coupon books you used to get and oh, like yeah. the the, um, the value pack chips and stuff like that. If you collect points, you used to get a toy. I was like in the booklet when I was like super young, so that was my first kind of introduction to the business. And um, and then yeah, it was like from stepping stone to stepping stone. I started out doing like extra work and background work. I was in like The Sopranos. I was like a couple extras in that for like an episode or two, and then it just uh, it just evolved. Um, I don't think I fell in love with acting. Or even thought it could be like a real career until like the wire. I think it's like I really? killed off the wire. That was like the the pivotal moment where I was like, okay, maybe I can I can do this. Because yeah, you were doing. I mean, I'm curious because you were so young and you started doing The Sopranos and The Wire. Were mm -hmm. you old enough to watch the shows you were doing? Y yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it started out as like, let me just watch just to see myself on screen, and yeah. then like my, my parents were like super cool. They were like really down to earth, so I, I didn't have like very very strict parents. So they um yeah they didn't mind me watching watching movies and stuff. I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, at what point did you realize you wanted to do this for a career? I think it was. Uh, I mean, for a long time, it was, uh, I just enjoyed getting out of school, being able to like, <laughs> like go over to the city and audition for things. And I just enjoyed being independent, like taking the train back and forth to the city and stuff like that. I don't think it was, I think the wire, it was like two pivotal moments. It was right when I got killed off on the, on the, on the wire. Um, the first time <laughs> it's over a decade. There's no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first time. The first time I felt like I lost myself in a character, I think, was uh, when Wallace was um, first time he started like using drugs and stuff on the show, mm. and uh, Andre Royal, who played Bubbles, kind of talked me through the process of um, of kind of like not getting in the character. I guess that's not the right phrase, but just uh, you know playing that moment, that yeah. beat that I had no um, context for. I had no idea what that felt like or anything like that. So he kind of talked me through it, and I remember being a little depressed afterwards, and then. Um, and not feeling like myself. And I was like, wow, that was kind of, it was a strange, weird kind of feeling. And that was the first time I guess I was in character. Mm. I think everything else up until that point was just like imitating like, you know, life or just like whatever. Um, so that was one moment. And then when I got killed off the show, I was like, you know, bawling, crying. I was like, oh my God, I'll never work again. And everybody was like, look, you'll be fine. You know, <laughs> like, you'll be good. And then I started working on soap operas like right after that. I was on my children. Is and it true you replaced Chadwick Boseman on All My Children? Yeah, I, would, I never like talking about that. But since it, <laughs> since it, I think it recently just came out on something like somebody was doing their research and homework and found out, found found that out. But yeah, I, uh, they, yeah, wow, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, they, he was playing Reggie Montgomery first, and I think they just went younger, and mm. I was, uh, I was like 15 at the time, 16, and yeah, I got, I got cast as Reggie Montgomery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So. Did he ever take that up with you? We talked about it. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. We, we, we definitely had some uh, some good laughs about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, um, things worked out for both years. of you, so. No, everything happens for a reason. It was just, uh, it's, like, interesting. It's funny. Yeah, it's but they fun. say soap operas are, like, the best training ground because you have to memorize so many lines in so short a time. Yeah, we were doing, like, you know, episode and a half a day, like, maybe, you know, 100-plus pages. Uh, soap operas are, like, a factory, you know? Like, they have, everything's pre-lit. You know, you just kind of, you know, you have rehearsal blocking. And then you shoot, and that's mm. it. You know, just the fear of. I think 
maybe I didn't know my shit like maybe once or twice, maybe one time. Yeah. I didn't really like, I wasn't like all the way prepared and I just remember them just moving on after like a take wow. and like me like fumbling over my lines and shit and that definitely aired. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and just knowing that like, yeah. I think that was like, like that oh shit moment, the fear of like not being like prepared on, on set. I, I'll never be in that position again. Wow. And that's kind of like, kind of like drove me to be on top of my game, I guess. What's the craziest thing your character went through? Because on soap operas we've seen, you know, evil twins, demonic possessions, yeah. back from the dead. A whole bunch Did of you stuff, get any right? of that? Insom uh, not insomnia. <laughs> craziest thing? I mean, I was like the stereotypical, you know, trouble black teen, you know, you know got the gun at one point and <laughs> was robbing like a construction site of like for like copper piping or some shit like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that's like the most extreme. Yeah, I think yeah. it's been. No yeah. amnesia subplots. No, maybe I think I lost my virginity on that. But other than that, really? That, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. You mean your character? Yeah, 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 yeah. character. <laughs> no, it's not character. So. Yeah, character. Um. <laughs> character. I was yeah. like, how was I? I was, yeah, you're young. Uh, and then I know you went on to do a lot of guest spots. I remember seeing you on like House and CSI, and mm. um, I've heard from so many people that sometimes it's harder being to be someone who comes in for one episode than to be a series regular. Yeah, because like that's your like your moment, you know, like you have your chance to make an impression and then mm. you're gone. You know, everybody else series regulars like you know they're there. You're there to kind of you know support them, you yeah. know, in, in a way. So there is a there is some pressure to kind of coming into a show just for a one-off and then you're gone because if it's, you know, you don't have a chance to redeem yourself or give the audience a chance to grow with the character. It's it's uh it's very very much so a one and done. But that was like the process at the time. I think I just had moved to LA and that writer strike had just happened. And it was, uh, I mean, that was kind of like the strategy. It was like, you know, you come out. I never really had a real pilot season. I was always like, which is, I used to like be really frustrated and upset that I never had a proper pilot season. Um, but yeah, like you would go out, come out, and you would like hope to get episodics. You know, you, you would, uh, you know, you would get that check, and that check would last you, for, I don't know how long, you know what I'm saying, a couple months for rent, and then, like, you know, you're paying off bills or paying back people that you borrowed money to stay out here, and then, <laughs> and then you'd be like, oh, shit, I got to move back to Jersey, and then you would book another small episodic, and that was kind of like the game. You kind of go for broke mm -hmm. until you could put together, like, a string of projects where you could actually save money. Um, so that was kind of like the, I guess, the... That was the kind of the game when I first first moved out here. Oh, we actually have a question from, um, is it Fab? Is that the name? Fab. It says Fab. Um, wants to know how you were handling rejection from auditions. And, uh, well, there's another question, but we'll get to that. Um, but, you know, I mean, rejection at any age is hard, but you're also a young actor starting out. And, I mean, were you good at auditioning? Yes and no. I think, you know, I had my fair share of no's um, at a young age and... I don't think I took it that seriously at that age where I, it where I felt like oh man like rejection. Um, I think my parents did a good job at like keeping me busy with other things as well. Mm -hmm. That wasn't like my prime focus. I didn't have like a, like a legit stage mom. Like I was like yo you come here you gotta go to these auditions et cetera et cetera. It was really at my pace at what my, my appetite for it. So I didn't really have I didn't really fall in love with 
like the game with like acting and stuff until yeah, I was like in my like you know fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, and yeah, and if I didn't get it, I knew somebody who got it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it was like one of those things where like the usual suspects. You would see your same your friends on every audition, and if mm -hmm. it wasn't you, it was that person. If it wasn't that person, it was that person. So it was it was very like you know, I, I've always kind of had the you know I'm proud of that person or like oh dope I'm glad you got it. If I didn't get it, at least somebody I knew got it. I never really had that kind of like. Really, that, always? Yeah, because I never, I never, had, I never, I never was the the type to. Yeah, of course, there's like jobs that you want. You know, there's mm -hmm. roles that you want. It's like, man, I really want to get that role. But I think when I really had like the, I don't know, the thoughts behind it, like the real, like you know, to recognize. I don't know, like losing out for a part. I guess I understood all the all that went into yeah. getting that role. I was like, okay, cool. It was like. The politics behind it, mm -hmm. all right? Maybe I was too short and the lead is, you know, like, you know, tall, so like, you know, or maybe I was too this or too that. Like, it could be a million reasons why you didn't get the part. And talent could not be one of them, you know? So I couldn't really, I never really got down on myself like that. And then it, it kind of like raised another question of like, why is like all the same actors going out for one role? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I think that was like my takeaway at a young age for like not getting roles of like, why do I feel like we're all in like super competition with one another? Like, and then once your friends, as you got older, didn't speak as much, you know what I'm saying, as you got older, or like didn't, it was like, a, like that awkward kind of like ego, not being able to like be cool with somebody because that's the competition. Nice. I think there was a period of time where that was a thing and then getting out of that. So I don't know if I answered that question. Yeah, no, it's just, it's impressive because I know actors who were probably three times your age at that point who, who don't, don't, haven't learned that lesson yet. Mm -hmm. And they do take it really personally. They do get really competitive. And I'm just wondering how at 15 or 16 you had such a, a head about you. I mean, it still wasn't like, it was real to me, but it wasn't like real like that was like my end all be all. Like I was still, you know, still at high school to worry about. I still had, you know, to worry about college applications. Yeah. If I was, you know, planning on going to college, if I was going to go, I had basketball practice. I had like, you know, like other things that I wasn't really too pressed. Like I'm not, I'm not saying I never got let down for not sure. getting a role or was frustrated that I didn't book something that I really wanted. But yeah, I never really, uh, Got too crazy over it. Was there one that was kind of a real heartbreak that you remember? That any time that you ever thought about, like maybe I'm not cut out for this? Yeah, I don't know if I want to admit it though. <laughs> Can we guess? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I, I mean, if you guys guess it, then yeah, I'll definitely own it. But I no, doubt no you guys idea. are yeah, yeah, guess it. Um, yeah. Um, It's gonna be shade either way, I yeah. say. So it doesn't yeah. matter. No, I, I think it was. Um, I'll just say the movie. It was. It was for hur hurricane season. It was. Uh, I don't even know what that movie is. Uh, yeah, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't know, I mean, that's really bad. Yeah, hurricane I mean, uh, Forrest was uh, the coach. It was about the. It was about the New Orleans uh, basketball team. You know what I'm saying? Like they just after Hurricane Katrina. You know, it was about you know them assembling the team and like you know making it through the season or whatever. And it was like, oh yeah, check all the boxes. I play basketball. I play basketball. Yeah, I'm actors, black kids. You know what I'm saying? That's 
that's checking all the boxes, yeah. right? I'm good to go. And uh, yeah, I didn't get it. I'm not gonna say who I didn't get the role to, but yeah. Was it Chadwick Boseman? It wasn't Chadwick. <laughs> <laughs> not that, not that time. It wasn't Chad. But um, it'll yeah. be fair. I mean, I think that was the that was the first one that I was not the first one, but that was the one that really like mm -hmm. stuck out of me. I was like, man, like th not this one. This is the one for me. Yeah. I was a little upset. I was a little tight at that one. But that's actually kind of great. Like the one that you think is the one sometimes isn't the one. And that's the thing. And that that is what's. It, what's for you is for you and can't nobody take anything away from you and that's in life and, and that's how I kind of look at yeah. it. Yeah. I mean and then I think it was about 2009 you got to be on two of the best shows on television. You were doing Friday Night Lights and Parenthood. That was 2009? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean the same showrunner Jason Jason Kadams. Yes. You know um that's what the, this industry is it's really about relationships, man. Honestly, you know, you, you, um, you know, you work with somebody, you know, a showrunner or you know, a director or producer, and you're able to build that rapport, build that 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 uh, that relationship. You know, they'll they'll keep you working. Like The Wire, you know, everybody on that show has worked on another HBO show, mm -hmm. like um, without a doubt, because they like to you know use the same the same people. So to be able to kind of like go from you know Friday Night Lights to Parenthood was like was definitely a blessing. Um, learned a lot on, on those sets. There's a lot of talented actors, great writing. It was great shows. I mean, did you, could you feel a change in your career at that time? Because when you're on TV every week, people really feel like they know you. Um, you know, sometimes they, sometimes they do think they know you and then they realize you're an actor. You mean actor. from like a fan perspective yeah. or from like, um, Well, both. Actually, did the industry change for you? I, I uh, yeah, I think I felt a change in both. Um, Gradually getting like noticed and to go from like, oh, you look familiar to did we go to school together? Oh, oh you look like Nick Cannon. Is that you, Nick Cannon? Like, like I've gotten, I've gotten Nick, Nick Cannon so much. Oh my god, so gosh. much growing up to like, you know, so like there's always that like progression yeah, of like yeah. fame of like or being humble where like, you know. <laughs> Somebody's like, well, what are, where are you from? And you gotta sit there, and I'm like, I'm not sitting here giving, like, talking about my resume right now. Yeah, like, that's yeah. not it. Like, oh, and then you say one thing, like, no, that's not it. It can't be that. Or, oh, no. You say something else, no, that's not it either. I'm like, all right, man, I'm done. I'm about to go finish, like, checking out my groceries real quick. You know? So, um, so that, you know, there's that, that phase also. But I think, um, I think the career wise, you know, within the industry, the biggest change was all the right people were watching those shows. Mm -hmm. So regardless of like, you know, being quote unquote famous, which is something I'm not, never really was into, but you know, all the producers, all the casting directors, you know, um, the wives of casting directors, the wives of like, you know, these executives of studios, et cetera, et cetera, like they would watch the show and then the husbands would watch the show. Yeah. And then like, you know, they became fans of me by, you know, that, that synergy or whatever the case may be. So it was, um, yeah, like every show that I did counted for something mm -hmm. um, in hindsight and it, and it kind of leveraged me and positioned me for the next blessing that was coming or the next situation or the next job that I didn't know was going to be as impactful as it was going to be. But it, 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 you know, I played memorable characters, uh, obviously not knowing in the moment, but being able to do something that, that withstood the test of time. Mm -hmm. And one of your early movies that you were a lead in mm -hmm. was uh, Chronicle. I always want to say The Chronicle. It's just Chronicle, Chronicle right? Yeah. I sound like my mom. She keeps calling it The Green Book. The Green Book. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this was a, such an inventive movie, and I know it was only made for like $12 million, million went on to gross over 
a hundred million. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know if it was Josh Trank's feature Josh debut, yep, but you and Dane DeHaan. Mm -hmm. Did you have any idea that was going to have the impact it had? No, not at all. I think the biggest impact from that movie for me was um, it was the first movie, the first role that I got after like telling like my agents and everybody that I only wanted to go out for roles that that was written for like Caucasian males. Ri that was written for yeah Steve Steve wow. Kaczynski was is the character's name before before I got it and uh and like you know a lot of people hear that they'll like quote it you know it's clickbait they'll make that like oh you only wants to go out for like white roles whatever not really <laughs> understanding like the process behind it but for me it was just getting tired of playing stereotypical roles you know me being I'm black like me playing a role I'm gonna make it that you know it does, but sometimes with writers with bias you know they write what they know. Mm -hmm. They write, you know, the interactions that they have with a certain person or, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, if your only interactions with a, you know, person of color is somebody who, you know, gives you coffee or, you know, cleans your plate or et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be a certain or what the media tells you or what you hear in songs or whatever other portrayals, <clears throat> stereotypical portrayals on, on film and television, then that's what you're writing for. Yeah. And that, and that, and that's something that, you know, I, I just wanted to, get behind I wanted to get out of that I wanted to reverse engineer that so you know you're playing a character that you know somebody that was written for Leo or like you know Ben Affleck or you know Matt Damon or something like that if I play that role then it's a, it's a it's a flushed out real character mm -hmm. with no bias that's normal and I could ruin that rocket and that's what it is yeah. so I, I told them that and they were on board you know they were they 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 got it you know they understood you know the strategy behind it and and yeah Ronna Crest you know casting director um, and Josh you know they 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 believed in me and they and that's, that was the first one so Chronicle that meant a lot to me because wow. that was the first like okay it's working yeah you know? um, and then yeah 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 first time going to Africa so that was a that was a big deal for me um, for a lot of reasons so yeah Chronicle meant a lot that was a, that was a pivotal time it's such a great movie too. It like shows what you can do with an idea, even if you don't have the biggest budget. They did a lot with, and, yeah. And understanding that and realizing, cause I'm, I, I like business. I like you know producing and you know, directing and all that good stuff. So understanding that you could do a movie that scale for that amount of money and make X amount of dollars. I'm like, okay, it's not all about the big budget films, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Budget, you know, matters in perspective, but not really. You know, you could you could do you know a lot with a little. So that 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 movie, the whole process taught me a lot. Um, to that end, uh, we have to talk about Fruitvale Station, which mm -hmm. remains one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I heard that was made for under a million dollars. Is that true? Yeah, it was like nine hundred thousand dollars. That's give or take. I I don't understand. One camera <laughs> and some duct tape. <laughs> it was, it was uh, that was a. That was a true indie. I you mean, shot it in 20 days, right? Yeah, something like that. It was wow. definitely like 19, 20 days. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, um, that was, a, that was running and gunning. We were, <laughs> we were, uh, it was so much fun, honestly, like making movies with your friends, like me, Ryan, and, you know, Rachel Morrison's incredible DP, and we were just, just getting shit yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a lot of rehearsal, you know, mm -hmm. it really, really, um, appreciate the rehearsal process and the time we had to really like flesh out characters. Melanie Diaz was great. Um, got a chance to spend a lot of time with Oscar's family. And that was a time where like I was, um, I was really not angry, but I was like very frustrated. Sure. Very, very frustrated. Trayvon Martin just had got killed, just got killed right before that. 
at all. Didn't the, I think the day Fruitvale Station hit theaters, they um, released George Zimmerman. Yeah, we yeah. were at a Q and A. We were at a Q and A actually over on on Wil not here. We were somewhere else on Wilshire, and uh, the verdict came in like literally while we were like oh, walking while we were, when I was walking on stage, and it was just like a. And I got a chance to break the news to to the audience, and it was like you know it was a really heavy, heavy moment, mm -hmm. um, a heavy time. So yeah, like you know just like understanding like you know act actors and the voice that you have or at that time are feeling comfortable about speaking out on certain things and how to say it, you know, being unsure where I was at and how, how I wanted to express myself. I was like, the best way for me is to do it through my work. And like, I prayed for a project. I was able to kind of check off all those boxes for me to be able to kind of like vent, you know, on screen. Mm -hmm. And then like, so crazy because like it was when I was shooting Chronicle, I, I was finishing up Chronicle, so I was on my way back from Cape Town when I read Fruitville, and um, and I had met up with Ryan, and and yeah, this it was the project that I needed, and I, it was the project that I needed for a. I wanted to know if I can carry a film. I've only done ensembles since the, um, at that up until that point, and I just was curious. It was like you know you have great actors that can't open up a film, mm -hmm. you know, it can't be a lead of a film, you won't be able to have that quote-unquote international draw, you know, I know it's, um, that was something that I wanted, something that I was curious that I'd see if I could do, so, um, and then also I wanted to express myself as a black man on screen, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get that, that message across um, for all the Oscar Grants and Trayvon Martins and Tamir Rice's of the world, you know, that was like a chance for me to like, for us, to shine a light on that character, you know, to shine a light on yeah. those 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 people that don't have a voice anymore, um, and that's something that me and Ryan set out to do. Did you know Ryan before this, or did he just send you the script, and that's how you you got to know each other? Yeah, I got to know him the first time I met him. Uh, the first time I read his script was the first time I, I was introduced to Ryan. Um, it was a senior senior's statement. He was a film. He was a senior oh, yeah, thesis, yeah. a senior project at uh, USC. And um, and he was at he was at the Sundance Lab at that time, you know, workshop in Fruitville. I didn't know he wrote it for me, but he had wrote it for me um, before I even met him, which was crazy. What did he I, see you in that that made him think you were Oscar? Know. Yeah, I have no, I have no idea. He just was a uh, he was a fan of The Wire and Friday Night Lights, and um, he basically told me like, Mike, I think you you know I think you're a movie star. Let's go show the world type shit. And it was just like a real subtle conversation. Yeah. <laughs> At a, at, a, at a Starbucks, and it was like, you know, I never had somebody so, somebody I didn't really know like that, but it organically yeah. and genuinely believed something in, in, in me, you know, just believed in me in that, in that type of way, and, and it was, uh, you know, we, same age, you know, from similar places, families are, are very similar, care about the same things, watch the same films, watch the same cartoons, ate the same cereal, you know, listen to the same music, <laughs> you know what I mean, a lot of, we, we had a lot of similarities, and, you know, and I just, I could instantly feel a camaraderie. Like mm -hmm. if we had grew up together the same place, we'd have been best friends in school. You know, like we would have been on the football team on a basketball, on a basketball team together. So um, when it was, yeah, it was a weird feeling. Because like even right before we started shooting Fruitville, he talked to me about Creed. And was like, man, I want to do this movie about Apollo wow. Creed's son. Do you want to play him? And I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. <laughs> and I was like, let's go. And then he was over there pitching that movie before we even shot one frame wow. in Fruitville. Um, 
And it was, uh, so by the time that happened, I was making a shift over to WME. I was leaving, I think I was at UTA at the time. Yeah, I was at UTA at the time, going over to WME. Everything started to happen, falling really? into place right around that time. And I, you know, I knew instantly that you know, me and Ryan, you know, we were like, yeah, let's make as many movies as we can together. So it was like, cool. That's so funny, because I was jo- jokingly going to ask if like, the moment you met, he said, you know, we're the new De Niro Scorsese. You're going to be in all my movies. <laughs> I was going to ask that as a joke, but it sounds like he kind of did say that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, you don't realize how important your relationship is with your director. You know, mm-hmm. if you could find that bond, you know, like I was his muse in a way, you know, I was, you know, I was his vehicle, you know, just as much as an actor, a director needs his actor, an actor needs his director, you know, um, and we just, yeah, it just worked out, yeah. honestly, like it just worked out. Um, mm-hmm. And is Oscar the only time that you've played a real life person? I was trying to think before. I mean, I like to believe um, Killmonger's real, but... <laughs> oh, Killmonger's real. There's, there's a lot of Eric Killmonger's yes. out there. Because, um, uh, I mean, I just... In one way, it's such an opportunity, but it's, it's also such a responsibility. I'll say probably the last film I did, uh, I, did I just got finished shooting um, Just Mercy by oh, Brian right. Stevenson. So that yeah. was, that was um, I think that was the only other time I played a real person. So Fruitvale Station was your first time. Yes. Up up until now and. No. Okay. Well, uh, Red Tails. Oh, uh, yeah. That's I was right. playing a Tuskegee Airman. Yeah, Maurice. Yeah, yeah Maurice. But you Wilson. actually spent time with Oscar's family. I, I mean, did. Oof. With his mom and yeah. uh, you know his daughter, his uh, the mother of his child, all of his friends. You know his best friends growing up. That was the only way I got I got a chance to really get to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, was through the people that knew him the best. So, yeah, that was that was a really it was a heavy heavy time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the re- literally the reason why they said they were cool with me playing Oscar was because I played Wallace. Really? Yeah. It was, wow. So you never know. Yeah. yeah. That was that was the that was my way in. Yeah. And is it funny? Sometimes <laughs> you think you're doing things and no one's noticing, and it yeah. turns out five, ten years later. You never know. Yeah. You never, you never know, know who's watching. Exactly. <laughs> um, did Fruitvale Station like significantly significantly change your career, especially in films? I know. You did two studio movies right after that. You did um, That Awkward Moment mm-hmm. and uh, Fantastic Four, actually, your mm-hmm. first go-round as a superhero. Yep. Two movies that I that were very on purpose, very strategic, and I would do them in a heartbeat all over again. Um, I think Fruitvale Station answered a lot of questions for me, personally. Yeah, I wanted to know if I could carry a film, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, just, I had to know. I had to know. Um, and, and that worked out. And then right after that, I knew I wanted to do something that was broad. I wanted to, I wanted to piggyback off of Zach's audience, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, Zach, I wanted Zach. Oh, Zach Efron. Zach Efron. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know he was being the lead of that, doing a romantic comedy. He was a character that wasn't really like me. So yeah. I was like, cool, something different. Miles um, Teller and me and him got close. Uh, Zach Efron, the writer, writer, director, Tom Gormkin was a, uh, you know, was a was a buddy of mine, somebody that I knew from 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 just being in LA. Financier was somebody that I knew from in LA. People, a lot of people that I knew. It was it was definitely a calculated move. Um, and no matter what the film did, I think I still won from it. Yeah. Because I, I got I got what I ultimately wanted out of it. Um, and then right after that, you know, doing 
doing Fantastic Four, building off the relationship that I had from Chronicle. Me and Josh stayed in touch. You know, we were we were really tight. We're still we're still really close. Um, and I want like in following the notion of you know playing roles that wasn't written for me. You know, Johnny Storm was on the list. <laughs> like, yeah. no hesitation. Let's, yeah. let's go ahead and do this. Um, but then, you know, a learning process during that, that whole movie is, you know, it's not all about you. <laughs> you just, no, and it's, it's you, can, you can show up ready to play, you know, know all your lines, know your character, contribute as much as you can, and the movie still not work for a million different reasons. So um, that was a, a learning process through and through. Um, yeah, and that, 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 you know, obviously didn't do well at all. <laughs> but, um, but I think that statement for what that, you know, playing playing that role for me was was a big deal. I know for you know just seeing a lot of kids, a lot of young mm -hmm. faces. You know, what I'm saying a lot of black and brown faces. I know dressed up as Johnny Storm like that that Halloween, and I was like, yeah, that's that's cool. I'm with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 made it worth it. Did you ever compare notes with Chris Evans, who was our previous Johnny Storm? Nah, yeah. I had met him at like a party, like right when it got announced or whatever, and he was just like, "Man, you'll be fine. Don't listen to the noise. You'll, you'll be great." <laughs> and that was that was really it. I mean, he was all playing Captain America at that time, so he didn't care. <laughs> he he was good. He was Actually, good. when you got cast in Black Panther, I remember a really funny headline that said, "Marvel keeps hiring human torches." Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, there was tons of memes. The internet is, like, undefeated, I swear. It's so undefeated. Like, but, um, yeah, there was a lot yeah. of, a lot of uh, you know, yeah. a lot of memes out there. <laughs> Do you pay attention to that? Can you laugh about it? or? I could laugh about it. I lauged about it then. Yeah, I, I yeah. can appreciate it. I got, I mean, got a pretty good sense of humor, so I can appreciate something that's funny. Uh, uh, but the internet, you know, comments, this, that, you know, the clickbait, the rumors, the, you know, the, the tweets that somehow mm -hmm. become factual, you know, the, the, the irresponsible journalism, you know, that's out there is, uh, is real. So you just kind of, as much as you got to, you got to tell yourself yeah. not to look at, yeah. look at certain things, but you know, of course you're human, you'll peek in every now and then and, and um, read something you probably shouldn't have and get pissed <laughs> off. And, uh, I have to go. Well, I'm really glad Ryan stressed. doesn't listen to anyone because when I heard the idea for Creed, I thought, what a terrible idea for a movie. <laughs> Why would anyone do this, especially coming off Fruitvale Station? Mm -hmm. And then it ended up being the best movie of the year. Um, such a fantastic, fantastic film. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you were on board from the beginning. Was, yep. was there ever hesitation, though, uh -uh. about stepping into that? Nah. And maybe, like, the most basic question, but, like, what did Rocky mean to you growing up? That's the thing. I'm 31, you know? So, like, Rocky, for me growing up... Um, it wasn't huge, yeah. you know. It wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't my cinematic, ex, you know, experience growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a lot. I was in the cartoons and animated movies. I was watching that a lot growing up. So I think you know the first time I saw Rocky it was like Rocky Four. I was like a freshman in high school, I think, and. I was like, man, there's a lot of action. You know, it was like, like the fights yeah. were, were crazy. You know, you know. Uh, like man, they're in shape and they're shiny, greased up, and I was like, man, this is like, this is this is this is this is a, this is a lot. Yeah. But then I was, the characters were there. It made me wonder, like the relationships. You know what I'm saying? And kind of like, you know, you know what came before this. So mm -hmm. then I started from the beginning, watched Rocky One, and that was like a love story, pretty much. And I, I really, like, I really dug that. 
how they evolved. And I really started to get into franchises. Like, man, okay, yeah. cool. Like, this is what a franchise is. And just pick apart Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4. You know, how do they evolve, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I immediately started to, like, break stuff down. And I really enjoyed, like, the entire franchise of it. And then I put it down, and I probably didn't watch it again until I got I got casted, um, until we started making Creed, and then I went back and watched them all over again. And when you were making Creed, you talk about franchises. Did you mm -hmm. ever think, because I know Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, sure. you did, because he, he kept saying, like, no, this is going to be my last one. But Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I went into it. As soon as he said it like that, I was like, oh, man, how many Rockies was it? Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, cool. Like, we can yeah. at least get a solid three. We can get a solid, <laughs> solid three, at least three. Um, so yeah, I immediately started thinking like this could potentially be you know a pretty cool franchise yeah. and you know what Rocky means to so many different people, you know it's, like as motivation, you know um, very inspirational, you know just that character is is uh, so inspiring. If 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 we could somehow create, you know a character that was honest and flawed and layered enough and Adonis, um, that maybe he could be you know this generation's like Rocky yeah. in a sense. Like I could be that for a lot of these, uh, you know, these people now. So that was kind of the thought that I had. And the second movie's now in theaters, also mm -hmm. excellent, also doing really well. So you'd be up for a third. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think we built a, a cool world, you know, no spoilers if anybody hasn't seen it yet, uh, but just that, you know, Adonis has his own family now. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think we we put them in a position. Bianca, you know, she, she's so layered, uh, so very talented, and stuff like that. That people want to see where they yeah. where, where, where they will go. Um, so yeah, we'll see. So um, when Ryan signed on to do Black Panther, was did he already tell you like you're in this? I mean, I just assume that he always has a part in mind for you. Yeah, it was kind of kind of happened like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like. You know, I want you to I want you to play the uh, I want you to play the villain, man. I've never never ever seen you know we people haven't seen you in this in this role before. I think it'd be good for you. Like, uh, let's go ahead and do it. And I was like, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's go. And then we said, you know, we started talking about uh, like what character it was. He knew I was a big comic book guy, so I'm like, oh man, because I was you know we were we were going through the different. Um, you know, bad guys that were in the, you know, Black Panther kind of like universe, or whatever. And I was like, man, it can't be this one. It can't be that one. And, you know, and then I was like, what about, you know, Killmonger? And we were kind of going back and forth on him. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, this is, this is like the guy. This is the guy that, that we're going to end up going with. And we immediately started breaking down, like, you know, hairstyles. I'm like, man, I, I ain't, I, like, I'm not wearing no, like, lock, like, wig, man. I can't have, <laughs> I can't, I can't have no wig, like, you know, going down to, like, you know what I'm saying, like, literally, like, my calf muscles. I said, that, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> and then, uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, what kind of hairstyle could actually be, what would be in style? Like, what can we, like, kind of, mm -hmm. like, what can we put on screen that people will want to wear? So then we were like, you know, he's from Oakland, you know what I'm saying? Ryan's from the Bay. Locks are like, that's what it was. Me yeah. growing up in Jersey, North New Jersey, like, you know, I had locks when I was in high school at one point. You know, like, locks was like, that was the thing. So they were like, all right, well then, you know, what if we just tapered out all the sides and like, just gave him like, like you know what I'm saying, like a, like a, like a fade, but still kept the locks up top. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So then we started like, you know, um, you know, we had some, some, you know, some, 
some illustrators and some some uh, graphic designers and stuff started drawing, like start mocking up some uh, some looks. And then me and my barber and Joe, you know, we're all really tight. We just started like messing around with haircuts, man. And then like you know, started playing around with it. I started growing out my hair uh, for about a year and a half. Wow. And then you know we you know added on a, you know whatever we had to do to lock it up and yeah that's, that's wow. kind of what it was. I mean, uh, what was more difficult, figuring that out or having to wear two thousand? Uh, prosthetics. Uh, prosthetics on your body. Pro the prosthetics for sure, man. The yeah. prosthetics was tough. Only because like it took three hours to put them on, but Jeez. it took like two and a half hours to take them off. So you had to kind of like decide like how you wanted your night to go, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. like, either because they built a sauna for me, so they built a sauna. So like I would literally just go in there and like sweat them, sweat them off. Wow. Like it wasn't, it wasn't nice at all, man. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't fun because it started out it was like, all right, we're gonna like. Long story, man. But like, shaving cream is supposed to be like the thing that breaks them down. So like, you just imagine like, you know, five people in like a sauna <laughs> with like shaving cream and some like, and like some like dissolvent that looked like Kool-Aid. Wow. And like pouring it, like just trying to like scrub this shit off and then by day three, your skin's irritated. Mm. You're going through that thing again. It was tough, and it was like, oh yeah, you can always like just go home and like sleep in them and like come back, but then like going to sleep with them things on. It yeah. was tough, so I took them off every day and, and really? put them back on. Yeah, so that was that was that was the hard part. Oh my god! But you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it it sounds like you know nothing happens by accident, mm -hmm. and that one of the things I love about Black Panther is. Um, it is, you know, on the surface, this very entertaining blockbuster, but I also know it's a very personal movie mm -hmm. for everyone involved. Um, and it sounds like you really got to have a lot of inputs into Killmonger. Um, and I'm wondering, like, I'm sure you would have done anything Ryan suggested. It was a great movie, but what was sort of the personal thing that drew you to it? Uh, I think the personal frustration being a black man in America. I think being able to kind of unapologetically um, speak to that, you know, being a part of the African-American diaspora and just being able to like speak to what that disconnect from like Africa mm -hmm. is. Um, being able to be angry you know what I'm saying? To be frustrated, to, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that didn't make the movie, but, you know, on set, shooting these scenes and being able to go, you know, Ryan being able to let me go um, was very liberating and, and it was what I needed. It was like, a, it was definitely what I needed. Mm -hmm. So that's something that, something that I was drawn to because I know a lot of people felt that way also. So to kind of give them a voice, I think, was, um, was very therapeutic for me. Um, and then the conversations that we had as a cast. Yeah. You know, my character is, you know, you know obviously not from Africa. I didn't grow up with that. But, you know, the other cast members like Lupita Denai, um, having direct roots, you know, from Africa having their perspective on their characters, having conversations about what each character needs and wants out of each scene, and not knowing I needed to have those conversations. Like we were in there talking about just 
that disconnect, you know, the the of uh, you know the African Americans feeling like you know people from Africa don't fuck with us and yeah. we don't fuck with them because they're not African and we're not this and we're not that and just that kind of you know just the out just that 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 separation that gap that we weren't as close as what as what we really were what we really are you know we're a lot closer we're a lot more mm -hmm. alike than what we think or what we were taught or what we were told we were so when you get those people in a room very very smart people having conversations about it it's like wow okay i didn't know i needed that i didn't i didn't know i was as angry that i didn't know where i where i come from mm -hmm. you know um and i feel like I feel like with this movie, it started a conversation that needed to be had, you know, even now. I mean, I got people from Ghana reaching out, you know, back and forth, like, you guys need to come over, you know, like, come, like, come visit, just like, you know, we'll, you know, we'll put you up, you guys need to see this, come to Nigeria, come to, you know, Senegal, come to, you know, all these places, like, it's, it's a welcoming, like, 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 like we're, we're we are you know we are brothers and sisters. Like let's start have that conversation. And I don't know if it would would have happened that fast without this this movie. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah, man. It, it's a uh, this whole process <clears throat> was something that you know I wanted obviously to happen, but I just didn't know I needed as bad as badly as I did. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of, because I'm not familiar with the comics, mm -hmm. I don't know if they always had such strong female characters. I mean, sometimes you get one in a movie, mm -hmm. you know, but there's like one, two, three, four, there's Angela Bassett, there, like everyone in it. And like, I love how the women were so badass and so in charge yep. <laughs> for a lot of it. Um, I mean, I think, well, yes, they are in the comics, but also one of the good things about this one was Tennessee Coates was writing the Black Panther comic books at the same time Ryan was making the movie, and they uh, collectively made sure that you know they were you know lockstep with each other. Oh yeah. So um, and then I think it's also just real life. I think um, you know in black households, you know you know women they run the, they they this they house you know <laughs> <laughs> you know they they uh, you know my gr you know grandmothers and yeah. you know. Um, you know, moms and sisters and aunts, you know, that's where all the wisdoms come from. That's where tradition gets passed down. That's mm -hmm. where, you know, you know, in the kitchen where, you know, food is being made, you know, where, you know, taking care of the kids, all that, you know. So to be able to take, you know, our, our culture, our heritage, our tradition and put that on the screen, I think was, uh, was, it was just, you know, that's just what our life was like. So just being able to show that to everybody else in the rest of the world <clears throat> was really fulfilling. And I mean, talk about cultural impact. What was it like this last Halloween to see so many little Black Panthers? Oh man! <laughs> and, and I saw a few Killmongers too. I saw a lot of Killmongers yeah. with, with the little, uh, you know, permanent marker beards and stuff like that. <laughs> it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool, and Adora yeah. Milaje and stuff like that. It was, it was incredible, man. Honestly, um, yeah, I think Ryan told the story like not that long ago, and I was like, man, wow, that's like super powerful. And him and his, you know, his, his wife Zinzi, they were like going shopping, and you know, they were at Target or something like that, and it's right around Halloween time, and there was this, you know, this, um, this Hispanic family, you know, was like, you know, going through, you know, costumes and stuff, trying to figure out, you know, what they wanted to be, and like the little boy jumped up and grabbed Black Panther, and you know, what I'm saying, I was like, I wanted to be, I want to be Black Panther, and yeah. it's like that kid doesn't. He, 
he could be whatever he wants to be, but just it's not. It it that's what it's about. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like these kids growing up with with no bias, with no you know no real hatred, no 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 animosity, no none of that shit in their heart. They they're just they're just so innocent. Yeah. And to be able to have that kind of that moment. And of course, you know, he threw it in the bag, you know, he threw it in the threw it in the cart and they went off and bought it. But that that symbolism, you know, of like other walks of life being able to, you know, connect yeah. with, you know, this story. It's so very specific, but it's so broad and so mm -hmm. accessible to everybody. I think it's, you know, you know, Ryan did an incredible job. Did you get any like killmongers at your door? Like No, I <laughs> I don't know where I was at for Halloween. I wasn't here. Yeah, I wasn't here, so I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I would love to see how that goes over. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, before we go, I definitely want to talk about your production company. Is it Outlier mm -hmm. or Outlier? Outlier. Outlier. It's, it's based off of Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, oh, Gladwell. okay. He's one of my mentors and stuff. So, Outliers, um, ten thousand hours. You know, not being able to put yourself in a box. You know, going against the grain. Did you always hope to produce or work behind the camera, or is that something that came up more recently? Uh yeah, always. I think I've always. I like putting things together. Mm -hmm. I like I like building things. I like being able to identify people's strengths and I like seeing other people win, honestly. Uh, so for me, um, just going back to that, that original thought of like, you know, there could only be one where it's like, why is it, why are we all going out for this one role? Like what, how else do you fix that problem is you create more roles, you know, and create more, more opportunities. And that's where like the production company kind of really, like that's where it started from. It's like really being able to control, control your own destiny, control your own career as much as you can, you know? Um, something I learned from Peter Berg, uh, he told me I was gonna get tired of uh, waiting for incoming phone calls. <laughs> and I, I, and uh, to start, you know, writing and, yeah. and, and owning things. Uh, so I started, like, even around that time, Friday Night Lights, finding comic books, going to, you know, Meltdown or Golden Apple over on Melrose and, like, dumpster diving off, like, graphic novels and comic books, trying to find things that I could, like, maybe, like, you know, try to buy mm -hmm. or get the rights to or, like, newspaper articles and stuff like that. I started really, like, just hunter-gatherer, literally just trying to gr grab as much stuff as I could in hopes that one day I'll be in a position that somebody would ask me, well, what, well what's next? What do you want to do? Um, so I started like building this unofficial slate, you know, producing unofficially um, from a really young age so that I, when I finally started to identify what a production company was, what were the pieces involved, what do I need, what, what, what does a production company really do, that I would at least have things that I care about, things that I passionately was involved in that I kind of been loosely developing just off my pure imagination and will, you know, not really knowing exactly what I was doing. That it would it would come it would become something. Um, and then yeah, leveraging, you know, acting in certain things to get certain things made. The trade off, you know, in the beginning, um, and then now having like my opinion behind the camera, you know, go a lot further mm -hmm. to like getting things greenlit and. You know, producing projects, you know, Netflix and you know, own and Oprah and stuff like that. You know, it's been it's been a it's been a crazy. I think eleven months. I think Outlier has been official. Oh really? And it's only it's been that eleven new? months. It's been a year, and, and I've uh, you know had the opportunity to produce a lot of things. Um, hire my head of development, um, Alana Mayo, who's like she's incredible, um, super super smart. So yeah, man, I've just been trying to build this ecosystem. Mm -hmm.
piece by piece. And I know in March your company announced that it would be adopting an inclusion rider. Mm -hmm. um, and this was like shortly after, I think a lot of us had never heard that term before. Yeah, I mean, um, and why was that important to you? Because it's what I was always going to do, but in on paper form. Yeah. It, you know, um, it's so crazy. Like, I think inclusion is like second nature to people of color. Like, you don't think about it. It's like, yeah, of course, I would want to like other people of color to work yeah. with, and you know, and uh, you know, women, and you know, all walks of life. Like, we don't. I, don't, I think that's not a, a first thought. You know, um, it's a thought of wanting to have it to be included, mm -hmm. but very rarely we're seen in positions of power where we can force the issue. Right. Um, so when I saw an opportunity to have that, um, when I was like, oh man, there's a, there's, 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 there's a title, there's a name of inclusion yeah. writer? Okay, cool, that's what this is? All right, cool. And I can, uh, you know, that could be mandatory for all my projects. Okay, cool, let's do that. And then um, I guess like working, being able to, to work with Warner Brothers uh, and help them you know, write their language for their mm -hmm. uh, inclusion policy, that was the biggest win, I think, uh, thus far. Because, you know, if Warner Brothers, like, gets behind it and, you know, and sets that precedence, you know, move across the board, you know, other production companies, other studios would, would follow suit. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a small step, but it's a first step. It's I a necessary it's a step. step. Yeah. Um, we have a lot, a lot more yeah. steps to kind of go, but, you know, it's a, it's a start. What do you know? Do you have specific language? Like, is the idea to have like you know? Um, I don't know if you specify like there's a certain number of like I don't know. It's something that we're currently working through right yeah. now. But it's uh, you know, in you know layman's terms, broad strokes that you know, um, person of color, mm. woman, uh, no matter where you're from, your background, social class, well, any of that is um, would be eligible to be considered. Uh, to be interviewed for a department head, all department heads. Oh. So that's that's in, in loosely what it is, and it's a lot of other business yeah. affairs, yeah. legal <laughs> drama that I let my attorney. Sure, sure, stuff it's worded much more legalese than but, that, uh, I'm sure. But yeah, but that, but we're just working on the official language of what that would mean because it's not just Warner Brothers Studios; it's all Warner Media, so mm -hmm. it would be throughout every all of Warner Brothers uh, companies. Uh, and a quick question before we go from Lamont. Uh, wants to know what character have you learned the most from, or which character made you learn the most about yourself? Which character I learned the most about myself? Probably. Oh man. Um, that's tough. Yeah. Only, only, only because I, I really. I'm really close to a lot of my characters. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things with me is you want to bring pieces of yourself to the to, to each role, no matter how different they may be. You want to find the similarities in them. Um, so they're all really personal. I think between I think between probably Adonis and, and Killmonger would probably be the most. Only because, like, more, most recently, I think what Adonis has went through, um, the last two films, and what I'm personally going through in my life, I think, with just the last couple years, the transition, just the jump, 
um, of the success mm -hmm. and handling that success um, in all areas, personally, professionally, uh, dealing with the attention, the lack of privacy, uh, the stress, the pressure, family, you know, taking care of people, uh, all that, all that bottled into one. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of like take that and uh, be able to have a character that was going through similar things, something that kind of like made me reflect a lot of my own life. So mm -hmm. I'll just say Adonis. <laughs> well, I want to remind everyone, actually, Creed Two is in theaters, Black Panther is on Netflix, watch it over and over and over again. Uh, I want to congratulate you Thank on you. such a fantastic year, great career. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for Thank being you. here. Thank you, guys. Yep. Thank you for listening to the SAG After Foundation's Conversations podcast. If you appreciated what you heard, please support us with a review or donation and reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SAG After Found. We'd love to hear from you.